Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 tournament champion. Middle school basketball coaching legend and Duke basketball shooting coach in his mind, Austin Orman. Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin. Hour two on the block on a Thursday. Thanks for being along for the ride. I'm Austin Norman. He's Eric Strickland. Uh, congrats on your shootout win, Strick. Got one, man. Got schneid a little bit. Always I've been losing in overtime, bro, and it hasn't been fun. Losing in overtime. It's it, never fun. If we kept score like hockey, you'd still get a point for it. But I'm not a hockey guy, so I'm about the, the hard wins and losses. Yeah, and, and shout out to all of our hockey guys. I, I would say, listen, I actually like hockey. I'm going to be honest. I like hockey, Austin, in the arena mm-hmm. as opposed to watching it on TV. Yes. Um, I will say there are times when I'll go and have a nice little cigar and – sit out on the patio at one of my favorite places in Omaha and I'll have hockey on and I'll have basketball on. So I'm, or, you know, baseball or something, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I actually like hockey. I think hockey comes with a lot of strategy. It comes with a lot of, you know, you have to make different adjustments. There's different, you know, you know, lines that you have and you have, you know, you have to do, try to match up and, you know, do you want speed? Do you want, you know, defense, uh, do you want to press forward? You know, just different things like that. I think soccer's similar in the way that they do those types of things, but I think hockey's pretty cool because it's a physicality to it too. You kind of get a little bit of football, a little bit of finesse, so it gives you a little bit of all of that. The first time I watched hockey when I was young, it kind of blew my mind that the way to get the puck down the rink and score was yeah. take it on the outside. My basketball and my football brain, even my baseball brain, back line. up the box – Get up the middle, yeah. and then you can you can fan out, out and extend that way. Yeah. But no, you, you got to get to the side to to draw the to eyes open that it out. way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, blew my mind yeah. the first time. I used to get I used to get confused by icing at first. Like I'm like, okay, they hit the ball down there, icing. Like, what? Wh- why? You know, what makes it icing? And I know that it's it's. I think you're two zones away. The puck gets two zones away. So mm-hmm. you know, you have the line, the mid line, and the other line. If you're, I think the puck goes two zones without anybody in that zone 
I think on the I want to say on the offensive end, it comes icing. So then you got to go and drop the puck. Those used to confuse me, so I didn't get that. The only icing that I understand is, hey, I sprained something. Hey, I pulled something. Let's uh, <laughs> put some <laughs> let's ice tighten on it. it back up. That's all I got. Yeah. Um, what I do understand though is how good Mary Ellen's food for the soul is. Very good uh, for your soul. Uh, your stomach, your body—it it gets you going, keeps you it, healthy, it does. It's good for you. It does. Well, let's 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 talk about some form, a different form of icing. Um, Jacob Degrom is looking like that. He is going to have to find his way into Tommy John surgery, and that's pretty tough. I mean, do you find that to be like a a modern day Bo Jackson type of situation? You know, is it reminiscent of, you know, like Sandy Koufax or what, what do you, what do you see? I'm worried we're finding our way there. I I do think Koufax is a fascinating comparison here, but I I think we have to fully appreciate Jacob deGrom and who he was. I mean, he won rookie of the year in 2014, uh, in 2015, then, uh, at age 27, Wins 14 games with a 2.5 ERA and just shy of 200 innings. Struck out 200 batters for the first time in his career against only 38 walks. That's an incredible mix of power pitching, great mm-hmm. stuff, but also command and control. Uh, wins uh, an all-star appearance, I guess, you know, was voted to the all-star game, and then also wins a Cy Young. That 2015 team, though, think about it, Strick, it was DeGrom, but you also had Noah Syndergaard kind of when he was popping yeah. on the scene fresh from the minors. Yeah. Even, you know, Steven Matz is a lefty uh, in that group. The Mets had a, you know, more than a coin flip chance, I think, to, to beat the Royals in that World Series because of that that starting pitching group. Yeah, That wasn't even DeGrom at his best. Um, he was solid enough in 2016, uh, but a little bit of a step back. But then from 2017 through probably 2020, Maybe 2021, but he didn't pitch nearly as much. So I'll give him through 2020. That four-year span, he goes 40-29, and 29, not a great record, but a 2.52 ERA uh, mm-hmm. in 107 games, throws 690 innings, which is a lot for, for this day and age, including 2020, that COVID-shortened season. Um, his ERA plus was 159, which means he's, he was a pitcher and a half on himself, which is absolutely insane. Um, And then you you just look at the awards he won. He finished eighth in the Cy Young in 2017, wins back-to-back Cy Youngs in 18 and 19, uh, fifth and 10th in the MVP votings, and then third in the Cy Young in 2020. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing. The most dominant pitcher of that stretch. We were having conversations of who's better, you know, Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom or Garrett Cole. Jacob DeGrom or Clayton Kershaw was the the company that we were putting him in. I mean, he was throwing 100 miles an hour with a wipeout uh, slider, you know, curveball that would back people up too. In the the conversation for most dominant pitcher of his era, not the legacy of Kershaw for sure, but in that conversation with a guy that, you know, was his teammate briefly uh, in New York in Max Scherzer, uh, Justin Verlander, I think as well, Garrett Cole. And then it all started falling apart with different injuries, a lack of availability. And we've lost, you know, a good two and a half years of Jacob deGrom's prime. What happens in these situations? Uh, is it just freak of nature? Is it just bad luck? Um, is it just uh, over stress and training? Or is it just because he's got like a whip with that arm? Is it just, it just happens? Like, like how does... You can't really protect yourself from that. I mean, when you're when you're talking about 
like you said, a, a curve that makes you back up some. So there's a lot of stress that comes with that, that whip, you know, just that torque that you've got to have in order to, mm-hmm. to throw hundred some miles an hour. Um, some of it comes from hip. Some of it comes, he's not a big dude. Like he's six four one eighty. Yeah. One eight. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, there's a lot of torque that's, where does that, you know, where does that come from? What well, do you think? L- let's look at his injury history. So I'll go back to uh, 2020. So he pitched at the start of the season, pitched really well. I think even led the league in strikeouts. Yeah, he led the league in strikeouts and uh, strikeouts per nine in uh, 2020. Did only throw in you know 12 games of the 60. But in 2020 in July, he had back tightness. Mm-hmm. Never good for a pitcher, something you want to be careful with, regardless of the sport you play. A neck injury... I don't know. That f- seems kind of fluky. Maybe just, you know, rolled out of bed wrong, slept on it wrong. I don't know. A hamstring. Mm-hmm. That to me, I don't, it doesn't list which hamstring, but I could see that being either one, you know, pushes off too hard and snaps it or pulls it a little bit, or maybe even the landing hamstring. So there's that. He has a side injury, a right side injury, an elbow problem, a shoulder problem, and two separate forearm problems in 2021. Yeah. That's arm. That's not good. And then uh, 2022, shoulder issues. Gets shut down. That's a problem. He starts this season off with a little bit of a a wrist injury before eventually going under Tommy John. So my guess is... Is a compilation? Is a build-up? It has to be, right? You know, where you begin to compensate? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that can happen. I, I, you know, I I can tell you that's that's what's giving me fear, Austin, as to why I don't play. Because I just tell myself... I can do it. But I know that I would be compensating on my Achilles tear foot, putting more stress on this mm-hmm. side, which could either lead to knee or the other Achilles. And and it's sometimes it's just that imbalance on some end. Uh, sometimes you might over-rotate. There's something that you change, but, but hopefully you don't because you want your mechanics to be totally in line in order to minimize injury. Mm-hmm. But it's just tough, man. I can I can just see how it looks like it's a compilation of just buildups on different things where you're trying to uh, change to be able to do some of the things that you've still been able to do, and then you end up injuring something else. And it's unfortunate. I mean, I wish – we wish him well. I mean, I just hate that for somebody who consistently and constantly gets these – injury situations that hurts their career when they're doing so well. Right. The Koufax comparison is really interesting to me. I think it's fair to say DeGrom had really a five-year peak from 2017 through 2021. Uh, His ERA plus was 171, adjusted for era. So he's 71% better than your average pitcher. That's a huge number. That's awesome. Again, in the conversation for most dominant, Sandy Koufax, if you look at the last six years of his career from 61 through 66, an ERA plus of 156, but again, he was playing in kind of that, you know, dead ball era-ish right, right. Uh, right around the that time, era, so there yeah. were a lot of good pitchers, but you look at Sandy Koufax's raw numbers, they're staggering. Led the league in strikeouts four separate times, the 269, 306, 382, and 317. Led the league in batters faced uh, the last two years of his career. Led the league in uh, fielding independent pitching every last year of his career. Not just the National League, but all of Major League mm-hmm. Baseball. Mm-hmm. The other thing that Koufax has, other than you know a year or two maybe tacked on his prime to DeGrom, is that Koufax has the narrative. He was a winner. Mm-hmm. You know, He got four World Series, mm-hmm. two World Series MVPs, uh, three Cy Youngs compared to the two for Jacob DeGrom. 
So, but but then also too, we got to take into account there wasn't as many teams, teams. right? So, but but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm that's nothing to take away from Sandy Koufax's success, Koufax's mm-hmm. success. But that's just something mm-hmm. to kind of think about as well. It is. Mm-hmm. So I think I still give the nod mm-hmm. to Sandy mm-hmm. Koufax mm-hmm. just because some of those numbers are just yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I don't think Jacob DeGrom's a Hall of Famer. Wow. Explain. I, don't. I just don't think he did it long enough. At his peak, his peak talent, what he proved, absolutely, Hall of Fame level talent. Mm. I just don't think it's a Hall of Fame career. Career. Mm-hmm. And that, that stinks to say, because it, it very easily could have been. Mm-hmm. But four and a half seasons yeah. is a nice run, but yeah. that's not enough for uh, me. I, it's not enough of a, not only a, a track record, uh, it's not enough of a sample size, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, what then, just throwing this back at you, what do you consider or think would be a good sample size and what would you like to see in order to kind of be in the consideration or even be in the, the conversation of, mm-hmm. of what, what, what could have changed that dynamic based on his tenure of career for you? If he would have been the best pitcher on the Mets in 2015 and won a World Series in his second year, I think that's a big legacy and narrative piece because the Mets hadn't won one since 86, mm-hmm. right? And he with, was leading the, the Buckner era. Okay. Yep. So I think that goes a long way. Obviously, you see my shirt on the stream, Royal shirt. Very glad he didn't. Appreciate him not doing that, but I think that would have gone a long way. Rookie of the Year is a nice little feather in the cap, but there have been plenty of guys who have won Rookie of the Year and not amounted to anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't really count that. If he had, you know, been healthy for the... He signed a five-year deal with Texas uh, just before this offseason. If he had pitched two or three years at Jacob deGrom level and then gotten hurt the last couple years, because right now... uh, He's 34, almost 35 right now. So if he had pitched till... 37, 38 at that level and then fallen off. Okay. You know, he came up maybe a little late, um, but dominated while he was there. Can't necessarily blame him for a slow start because he was a shortstop yeah. for a couple of years in college. Yeah. So I think two to more, two to three more peak years with this new team to live up to that contract before the injuries kicked in would have gotten him on the doorstep if he was that level. <laughs> he could have been just kind of knocking at the door, you know, ringing it, but mm-hmm. he's not necessarily getting you to look through the peak hole, but you're on the ring doorbell kind of just checking out who's outside. Right, and then, okay. you're, and then you're having the Koufax conversation where mm-hmm. is he one of the most dominant of his era? Maybe his numbers don't stack up all time, but can you talk about baseball in the 2015 to 2025 range without talking about Jacob deGrom? Right now... You'll bring him up in passing and say, oh, I remember when he was at his peak, but there's not enough for him to mm-hmm. you know, stay in that conversation with a Verlander or a Scherzer or someone like that. Well stated, well stated. I mean, that's good stuff, Austin. Um, I'm, 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 and let me ask this question. What would you have liked to see more, like, for example, I mean, we, we saw that we needed to see, but what do you think Bo Jackson's career could have been had he stayed – 
in in baseball. Yeah, we know his strikeout numbers were there, but what what do you think it would have looked like if he could have really stayed in the game? That's you what, think he could have challenged like Barry Bonds or you give me your answer. That? You watched Bo. You're you're an Auburn guy. You know that, that that's in your blood. I know that about you. You tell me about Bo, and then I'll I'll try to follow up a little bit. I, I think for power. I think Bo can hit with the best of them when we saw it at the at the time where Sosa and McGuire. Um, I think he could definitely challenge in power. I think I think his strikeout numbers were probably a little bit too too high for me. But there's others out there that that didn't have great numbers in that category. Um, I just think his ability to track balls down, the way that he was able to do it, the effortlessly. In, in manner in which he did it, his base running abilities and his ability to, um, you know, pretty much he could hit in the gaps. He could do different things like that. It wasn't necessarily he was only a home run guy. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen him, you know, go a long stretch, I would say. So I'm trying to think of a a comparison for yeah. Bo is Jackson there one the hitter? Um, I mean, you, I mean, you. He's a little bit of Ricky and Dion, along with um, Big Poppy, and I mean, it's like he's a hodgepodge. He's like a freaking mixture of people, right? He's not necessarily anybody specific. As just Mays? as just a hitter, I would say he's like what eighty percent of Albert Bell. Ooh, maybe. Ooh, ooh. Just as a pure hitter. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, athlete, yeah. I like, I like, I like where you box. went with that. I like where you went with that. Okay. Something like that. I can see that. Um, so, Albert Bell, again. Is like, he Ricky Henderson on base? How would he not be? Yeah. He could be. Yeah. Big as he is, I'm not getting in his way. But the thing that made Albert Bell so great was he didn't strike out a lot. At the beginning of his career, struck out about a quarter of the time, got it down to one in five times by his third year, and then he was down to one in ten at bats by the end of his career, which is insane. Whereas Bo Jackson was still striking out 30% of the time all the way through his career, which, I mean, Bo Jackson still hit 250 in his career. An on-base percentage of 310 isn't overwhelming, but for a guy that strikes out that much to still get on base like that... Yeah, he's still respectable, right? Yeah, you, you get away with it. And a slugging percentage of, you know, 474... Solid. Good. Solid. So if you look at his overall OPS number, a 784 OPS uh, plus of 112, that tells me Bo Jackson would have been in the all-star conversation every year. It just depends on did he start hot. I gotta. I want to throw this out because Sutter Hammond text line 402-464-5685. If you're a baseball fan, somebody just popped into my head and I'm looking at this. Um, and I really want your take on this. You probably didn't get a chance to see him play, but boy, oh boy, he was probably the toughest out in baseball, I think, and that was Tony Gwynn. Mm-hmm. If you've had a chance to just look at Tony Gwynn, if, I don't even know if they could have footage still on, on him because he was still, but my gosh, I used I he was one of the guys I admired. When you're talking about hanging in there, Getting behind on the count, putting something on the ball, you know, just to even stay in there, make the pitcher work, not just chasing everything, over anticipating, just hands that work through the zones, just so pretty. I thought Tony Gwynn was that man. I yeah, didn't get a watch Oof. Tony Gwynn, Tony but in Gwynn. terms of you know pure 
hitters, just the art of being in the batter's box, in handling a bat, in seeing a pitch out of a pitcher's hands, identifying it, and knowing in that split second what you can do with it, what you have to do with it to be successful. And say, me to hit 340 for a career, <laughs> to have essentially... Well, no, I mean, I'm looking at his career percentages. <laughs> crazy, bro. His career strikeout percentage. He struck out in 4%. Of all his plate appearances, 4%. He walked almost twice as much as he struck, struck out. out. That's crazy. That, so that's why I was just sitting here <laughs> thinking about that in my head. And I was like, he he was he was the Don at the plate. You, When you saw Tony Gwynn at the plate, Austin, just think of you being a pitcher. Knowing that, like, like the analytics aren't anywhere like they are now. But just think about knowing when you step up on the mound that you've got to face Tony Gwynn, and I mean you've got to do your best of best stuff. Like, your good stuff isn't just going to work. No. You know what I mean? So your best of the best stuff has to work just to even have a chance to get him out, let alone strike him out. Oh, and by the way, even if you get him with a good pitch, he's still going to put it in play. And, oh, by the way, he's fast enough to steal 56 bases in the season, so you still got to throw him out. He looked like Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> you, 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 when you watch Tony Green, you had to wonder, how the heck are you freaking stealing bases? Mm-hmm. He looked like the Pillsbury Doughboy. He looked like John <laughs> Crook without – yeah. Anyway, let me stop. <laughs> that was just, something. just a thought. Okay, let's see. Uh, trivia question for you. So Tony Gwynn played 20 seasons. How many years did he leak Major League Baseball in batting average? Out of 20 seasons? Yes. Text line, this is for you too. How many seasons out of 20 did Tony Gwynn lead all of Major League Baseball in batting average? Oh, I would have... Actually, to... let me rephrase. Sorry. There's a difference between leading the National League and leading all of right. baseball. So how many times did he lead the National the League? The National League. Yes. In batting average. You want to let them get in? You give a number, uh, text line will give over-under. Oh. National League. Yep. 11 times. I like it. Uh, Let's take a break here. Get Andrew Alex on the line. Maybe ask him that same thing. Um, And we'll give you the answer to the trivia question when we get back. Again, over-under 11 times for... Uh, how frequently in his 20 seasons Tony Gwynn led the National League in batting average. Give us your answer. We'll call up Andrew Alex, talk all sorts of stuff with him next. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.